What is up, everybody? Thank you for listening to Joyfully You Podcast. I am your host, Kelsey Lowe, and today we have a special guest, Dr. Laura Gallagher. So I had the opportunity to interview um, Dr. Laura Gallagher a while ago, and she had just she was up on her 12th month of her remote year, um, where she had been working remotely, running her company, and being in a different country every month. Okay. Like how freaking cool is that? And so Dr. Laura Gallagher is an organizational psychologist, a TEDx speaker, facilitator, and executive coach. She's the CEO of Gallagher Edge, which she founded in 2013. So her noteworthy career began after the space shuttle Columbia exploded upon re-entry in 2003, killing everybody aboard. Following the tragedy, NASA hired Laura and a team of organizational psychologists to change the cultural influences that were deemed to play a role in that accident. So she worked for eight years to positively influence culture, develop leadership capacity, and improve organizational performance at Kennedy Space Center. You guys, she worked for NASA. So Laura is a dynamic speaker, storyteller. She loves to help leaders experience themselves differently so they can walk through the world more connected, more courageous, and clear. Laura is an expert in concepts of self-awareness, accountability, trust building, and team cohesion, and especially the self-awareness and the self-acceptance, resiliency. That's the area that we're going to focus on today. So she holds a bachelor's degree in psychology. She's a mas- she has a master's and PhD in organizational psychology. Like overall, we can just say Dr. Laura Gallagher is a total badass. So she's a certified coach, a licensed humans elements practitioner. I'm not even sure what that is, but it sounds freaking cool. Um, and a certified radical collaborations trainer. So let's dive into this episode. Oh, you guys are going to get so much value from this conversation with Dr. Laura. So let's dive on in. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the biggest, one of the biggest challenges for me as an entrepreneur has been um, the forcing function around all the things that I really do need to learn about to run a business. Because I don't have a like love for business for the sake of business. I love what I do. And I wanted to have more control and say over who I work with and the things that I get to focus on. And that's why I started my business. So I, I run my business as a necessity, not because I'm like, ooh, I love business. Yeah. I love finances. <laughs> like, I, like, no, I deal with it. And so this is one of those times. Yeah. How do you do the force function as you call it? Oh, well, no, for me, I mean, it, it is a forcing function. You know, like I remember learning about certain types of insurance that I was required to have. And it's like, oh, I, okay, I have to learn about this. Like I, I have an employee now, you know, I hired my first employee three years ago. And so that was a forcing function in itself. Like, okay, if I'm going to have an actual W2 employee. I have to learn about what I'm required to do. You know, what's yeah. okay, what's not okay. So paying attention to laws that I wouldn't have otherwise paid attention to or um, even requirements around the type of like insurance to have as a business. Mm-hmm. I am so not litigious. Like I never even consider the thought of being sued. And as a business owner, I have to like recognize that other people in the world are and I might get sued one day. And so, you know, like that, those are like the forcing functions is people telling me like, um, as a business owner, you have to do this stuff now. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Girl, I yeah. just want to help people. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, there was definitely a time for me in the beginning when um, I thought that my ideal world would be 
that I got to basically be like a subcontractor that other people would do all the work to actually find the clients. And I would just get to jump in and do the work. Um, so I was exploring a couple of those paths, but I realized that even that was not enough control for me. And so I was like, okay, no, I'm going to do all of it. I'll do the business development. I'll do the proposals. I'll do the sales. I'll do the financing. I'll you know, finances, not financing, but yeah, just all the stuff to run a business. And now, you know, now there's four of us on the team. So I have help. Yeah. Which is great. But yeah. ultimately, the buck stops here. Right. Ultimately, it's always still up to me to definitely make a lot of decisions and figure the things out. When it sounds like some of the, the force functioning of like, okay, no, I have to do this is like, I have to do this in order to grow. I have to do this in order to. So it's like letting it's the uncomfortable stuff happen. Oh, yeah. Yep. In, with the growth in mind because then it all like kind of makes sense as to making it worth it you know yeah it's a compelling why you know I mean and I think that's always true like I I have felt very attached to my purpose for a long time and it it, that has always made the more tedious parts of my job okay because I understand what I'm doing I know why I'm doing what I'm doing and so yeah that holds true how would you verbalize your purpose we exist to evolve humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I genuinely believe like when I am my most grandiose, my most excited about what I'm doing, um, I genuinely believe that this is going to positively contribute to the evolution of our species. And so that's like, yes. Yes. <laughs> I want to stay yeah. in support of that mission and that purpose. Yeah. That's a huge driver. Oh my gosh. It's like, yes, I want to be in contribution. Mm-hmm. I feel the exact same way. And it does, it makes it like being able to have this vision that's bigger than myself, which I'm yeah. sure you can feel similar. It's like, it's not just a race. It's like, no, this gets to be an evolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We help our clients figure out their, their primary purpose too. It's part of our alignment. Mm. Yeah. We take them through, you know, yes, business exists to make money, but if your business does not improve people's lives in some ways, then you will not have a business for very long. So let's just get really clear about what that is and so you're help bringing, them stay attached to that. Yeah. So you're bringing like consciousness into people's business, even if that's not necessarily the verbiage that you're using, mm-hmm. you know, when you're working with them. So you started Gallagher, Gallagher Edge in 2013. Mm-hmm. You've worked with NASA. You've mm-hmm. worked with Disney. You And this has led you to starting your own business now. And so you're going in with other companies and helping them improve their organizational structure and their culture, right? Yeah. Nice. Yep, exactly. And so like, what is, do you kind of have like an overview of like with every company, something that you want to infuse into it? Yeah. I mean, we have our, our missing link culture model. And so, you know, we talk about culture as being something that is definitely unique to each organization. And we want that organization's culture to be in direct support of their strategy. You know, we want it to be something that is absolutely a business essential to help them go where they're trying to be. And at the same time, we believe that there are four qualities at the organizational level that all effective cultures have, and that's maturity, diversity, community, and unity. And so the way that we work um, and the rest of our model is those are really important qualities, but we're talking about culture, which is humans, right? And Culture is about the interactions uh, of the behaviors and beliefs of the individual employees. So really, culture is something that exists 
between the ears of the individual humans. So when we talk about our missing link culture model, what we're talking about is how do you take those four elements that are essential to having an effective culture and translate them down to an individual level. So in our model, um, maturity is about growth, diversity is about respect, community is about connection, and unity is about identity. And then we bring in what we call the missing links, which are the three components that sit within each of those four elements to really tie that connection. And so everything that we do with our clients is really focused on helping the leaders personally attach to everything that they're doing and then create an environment where the individual employees are also personally attached and connected to it. People don't, you know, culture does not effectively form through compliance. You know, if, if an organization wants to manage their, their people just through policies or like the world's most comprehensive handbook, that is a nightmare. You know, we want to be able to influence humans through the heart, you know, we want them to internalize. Um, I want anybody who's ever on my team to also feel inspired to evolve humanity. If they don't feel inspired to evolve humanity, that's fine. They can find something that does inspire them. But if they're inspired by the same thing that inspires me, then we're going to feel like we already have some foundation for trust. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So how did you have like a personal experience where you were in just like a complete shit culture that like sparked this desire to help affect other culture? You know what I mean? Like, do you have kind of like, what was your emotional pull towards letting this be your life's work? Well, I, so because I was studying organizational psychology in school and I had the chance right away to work with NASA at Kennedy Space Center, I, I was focused on helping leaders create amazing culture from the beginning. Um, Now, I would say even in my time at NASA, I worked for um, different leaders and each leader is really essential in actually creating a particular microculture. So um, some of those microcultures were amazing and some were less amazing, (laughs) you know? So I definitely have experience working in a culture that um, does not personally inspire me and and did not bring out the best in me. Uh, And for me, a lot of that did come down to the leader that I was working with. And that's why a huge part of what we do is help each leader really learn how to lead him or herself. Like the, the maturity piece of culture, as we talk about it, um, is the individual capacity for growth. And it's all focused on self, self-acceptance, self-awareness, self-accountability. Mm. And so that focus on self um, first, when each leader is doing that, that enables them to bring out the best in their team, their employees. Oh, that's incredible. And just like to segue that, that's something that I think every single one of us could benefit from, whether we are leading an organization or learning how to lead ourselves. of that, that self-acceptance and, and that own maturity step, you know, within your system. So how would you support, or how would you, you know, give advice to someone else if they are needing to become now self-accountable? I know a lot of people are working from home now when before they weren't working from home. I think that's initially how we started like talking is yeah. talking about, you know, how to work from home and stay centered. So how would you approach that, you know, with the background experience that you've had, if someone's kind of struggling with that leading themselves? Well, I think, you know, anytime we're dealing with something that's brand new, I think it's useful to recognize that this is a journey. I actually have a tattoo on the inside of my wrist that says journey. Um, I got this about a year ago. Everything in life is a journey. Uh, and I think that's, it's useful to recognize that 
I'm not going to nail this. This is not going to be perfect right away. And if I've never worked at home before and I'm wanting to navigate and figure out how to manage this, it's going to be an experiment. Like if anybody, you know, has ever practiced figuring out what foods interact well with my body and what foods don't, that's not something people figure out overnight, right? They figure out through trying different things, eliminating certain foods and then bringing certain foods back in. And, and that's, I think it's useful to look at this, like working from home in a similar manner. Some people I know that they will roll out of bed and throw on whatever dirty t-shirt they feel like, get the coffee going and they just start working. Other people, you know, they have a lot of comfort around what their routine was when they would go into an office. And so for them, as much as they might want to replicate that same experience for themselves, that can be really valuable. Right. So they may want to experiment with having a really clear routine. And, um, you know, some people like to have a particular area in their home that is very specifically set aside for this is where I work and this is where I stop work. So um, one of the people on my team actually has a rule for herself, which is she does not go into her bedroom when she is during work hours. That's part of her separation. So for her, she gets to have her bedroom is that space of like, I'm definitely not at work anymore. And, you know, for other people, it's in and out. And I, I like working from home. I'm comfortable with it. So those things don't feel as necessary for me. I think it's just a matter of trying to to practice and figure out what feels good. Yeah, that's great. And I like how it's like des- designating certain spaces to be able to do certain things. Yeah. And setting boundaries. You know, a lot of us right now, even people who are used to working from home are now in a situation where their partner or their spouse is also at home or maybe their kids are also at home. And so there's challenges around managing the space and managing the noise. I know that a couple of weeks ago, I was on a call with um, a marketing consultant and it was, it was one of the fun. I mean, I have a lot of compassion for him and no part of me was judging him because I know the situation that we're all in, but his house was just going nuts. Like he got up three or four times to help manage like his toddler who was doing something. And then like, the doorbell would ring because a package was arriving and the dog would go nuts. And it was like, we were trying to have this conversation (laughs) around like branding, you know? And it was just like, I was like, oh man, I'm like, I feel bad actually that I'm even trying to have a meeting with you right now. This was, you know, two or three days after the, the first like, Hey, if you can work from home, work from home thing was really happening. We weren't under a mandate at that point, but it was brand new. (laughs) So he was still figuring it out. And we can all just, you know, we can practice compassion for each other during this time. And by the way, that's useful to do always. Yeah. (laughs) Seriously. These are all like life skills that, that, yes, we have the capacity for, but even more so right now with current events happening in the world, it's slowing down to actually practice these things. Yeah. Like we have a shared understanding of, okay, things are really different. Things are tough. We're all trying to adjust. And, you know, for some people, like what's an example for me? So my partner is, is obviously working from home as well. Well, that's not obvious. He's working from home as well. And so he's in the next room. And so there's moments where I might be in a meeting and then he's in a meeting and he's having a conversation and maybe, you know, people can hear his voice. I would have been really afraid of that seeming unprofessional in a different context. And in this context, I feel relaxed about it because I'm like, ah, what are you going to do? You know, like people know, but but what, why can't we just do that all the time? Why can't we just practice more empathy and understanding? And, you know, if there's a real like infringement upon the effectiveness of what's going on, okay, let's figure it out together. But maybe we can just have a little bit more grace and support each other more of the time. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I think the grace, the compassion, and and like you said, with the boundaries, the boundaries are really important. And I know from it's the self-discipline, it's the self, um, the willpower to set the boundaries and like noticing what we need and actually following through with them, you know, being able to support ourselves and whatever it is that we're creating. Yeah, we just, um, in the earlier conversation I had, the metaphor came up again that I love um, that's relevant in all times about the uh, put your own oxygen mask on before assisting others. It's so important that each person is able to take care of him or herself first, is able to lead him or herself first. That is how we actually grow the capacity to show up for other people. Yeah, that's so powerful. And so I know that you have a... um, when I first was able to connect with you, it was, you had just finished a TEDx. You had just finished a year of, of traveling and working remotely. And I remember that was one of the first things that I was so attracted to, um, in, in your lifestyle and the way that you're running it. Traveling has been a huge part of my life as well. I've lived in central and South America for years, teaching English or figuring out just how to work and travel. Um, and so while, so I would love to hear, you know, cause that's like every, so just to give you guys a backstory, you were in a different place every single month while also running your company, figuring out how to do it all online. while also trying to be present and enjoy an environment. You did an incredible TEDx. I'll, you guys, I'll put her TEDx in the show links about creating a home anywhere. And I feel like there's maybe some of that message that could be really valuable right now for maybe people that are in an environment they aren't normally in, but just in general, right? Creating that sense of home within ourselves and how to like recreate the resiliency within us. Um, can you share a little bit about that journey? Um, and, and yeah, like what was that like? I mean, I, I'm sure some people that have maybe watched the prior shows maybe have heard, but you've never been here on Joyfully You. Yeah. So, all right. So 2018 was the year that I spent traveling internationally, um, slight overlap into 2019. It was like a January to January program. I remember um, being on your show when I was in Mexico and I was in the call booth, which had no ventilation. (laughs) It was like, it was like, I was like in this space. I don't know if you remember this. Like I could put an arm out here and an arm out here. And like, that was the room. It was the tiniest little (laughs) like heat box ever. And you know, that was just one example of the environments that I was in that I was like, okay, I'm adapting to this environment this month. And then at you know, the opposite end of the continuum there too, in Mexico, it was, uh, it was chilly. It was often chilly, um, especially indoors. Like it would be maybe 70 degrees outside, which was beautiful, but indoors it would still be like 55. <laughs> so it's just, I, I definitely learned a lot during that year of how adaptable we are. And I say we, and I, I could say me, because I'm a big proponent of using I language and speaking for myself and my own experience. But I think especially in today's times, the context um, is relevant for all of us. We as a species are very, very adaptable. Um, and I think for me, that experience was that forcing function to constantly change. As soon as I felt like I was adapting to a place, it was like a week later, we'd be moving on to the next place. And so the other thing that I noticed for myself was, yes, I can adapt to each place and each change and each new environment and each new culture. And it takes energy to adapt. So I, I often found myself um, tired if I tried to maintain the same level of productivity. And I've had some of that during this time as well. You know, some of the adaptation and change has been at times exhausting. Like sometimes I'm like, why am I so sleepy? I'm like, maybe I'll go for a run in the morning, but I'm just like home all day and I'm in meetings all day, but I just feel so wiped out. 
And I think it's that same thing. There's a lot of um, adapting that's happening and that, that sucks a lot of energy. Yeah. But I learned though that um, I can do pieces of my business virtually. You know, one of the things that we did, the main thing we focused on during that year was building a membership site, um, which is called Insider Edge. And so we teach a lot of these concepts, self-acceptance, self-awareness, self-accountability, how to communicate more effectively with your teammates, how to structure your organization and support your culture. And um, we do this micro learning, like five minute video format. And I'm really, really glad that we built that in 2018 while we were virtual, super hard. I felt like I had no idea what I was doing. So I just constantly felt like I had no idea what I was doing, but I'm really glad that we did that because it's something that now we've just opened it up to anybody. I mean, anybody in the world, honestly, who is interested in learning some of those skills right now. And we're doing a lot of content that's focused on managing the crisis. Uh, right now, the dashboard has two videos on leading through crisis. Last week, it was staying grounded during COVID-19. And there's a poll. People can tell us what they want to hear from us next. So I'm glad that we have something already that's virtual, yeah. immediately just open up. And you know, my hope always is that there's value add to people right away. So that's been... That's been good because sometimes I've questioned like, man, was that a mistake? Should I not have done that? You know, <laughs> do I have any idea what I'm doing with, you know, a membership site? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know what? We're learning. And the more input we get from everybody, the better. So um, yeah, I'd love yeah. to have you on there, Kelsey. And I would love all of the feedback that you're willing to give me. The good, the bad, the ugly. We really, really want to know, like, how do we actually make this helpful for people? Cool. I will definitely check it out and give my honest feedback on it. I'm curious, like, is... Would it be still supportive for someone if they aren't in some type of executive leadership role? I would say absolutely. Yes. Um, I mean, especially the video last week was just for, you know, hey, if you're a human and you're feeling, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're feeling some feelings lately, um, this might be really useful. So no, I, I would say that that's true. And, you know, at the risk of um, harming my own company's brand, just as a human, because I, you know, that purpose, we exist to evolve humanity Yes, my degree is organizational psychology. So it makes a ton of sense that I primarily focus on teaching these skills and concepts in that context of an organization and specifically working with leaders more than anybody else. But I feel a genuine sense of joy and alignment with my own purpose if I'm speaking to any human about these things. I mean, if I really think about, you know, who is my audience, it's any human that feels like there is a there is a way that I can live my life that I think would be more enjoyable and more fulfilling. Like there's gotta be a better way. Um, I'm a very driven person, right? I've always kind of done that labeling of like, oh, I'm type A. And so especially those people, people who really like to accomplish a lot, I feel like you're my people because I get you. And I also know how painful it can be to live my life where my self-worth is coming from my accomplishments. Yeah. And so- I would feel really, really joyful if I could help people realize that they are worthy simply because they exist and understand that they can accept themselves and simultaneously constantly work to improve themselves. They can coexist and you don't have to let fear drive you. You can let love drive. She's a much better driver, actually. She's a much <laughs> smoother driver. It's a much more enjoyable journey. So yeah, um, absolutely. It is relevant well beyond somebody who's in a position of leadership. Wonderful. That's so great. So you guys, I'm going to be adding that to the show link. And you said it's, it's open and it's free right now, right? Yes. 
It's free and, um, you know, it's free for the foreseeable future right now. Yeah. It's just something that we want to give back. And, you know, if you want to repay me, just give me feedback. Tell me what you like, what you don't like. Just let me know how we can make it better for you. That would be extremely helpful to me. So that's amazing. That's so wonderful. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I totally agree with, you know, being a driven person can create this level of like, okay, I'm not going to, it totally takes comparison out because there is kind of, I feel like a different um, type of person that wants to become an entrepreneur or that is an entrepreneur. It's a totally different energy of just having the, having the vision for, and the purpose and letting that drive us. Um, and I know that like resiliency is something that you talk about a lot and something, and you've said this many times, you're like, I have no problem with failure. I have another friend that she says like, let's just fail fast. So then we can figure out what works and what doesn't, you know, fail yeah. forward. And I remember when I first interviewed you and it was, I think beginning of 2019 or end of 2018 or something, um, I was so like, couldn't even say failure at the time. I no. remember being like, I win or I learn, but like failure, like, let's just leave the F word to the side. Like you can hang out with fear. You can hang out over there right. with all the other F words. And <laughs> it's so funny, like how, like now looking back, like only like say one year later, my relationship with failure is such a positive relationship because I, I trust that, okay, it's always a fail forward. And there's always something that's like, oh, that's a freaking golden nugget that I am so glad I have now or piece of knowledge or whatever else. Um, and so I love that you speak towards that. You speak towards kind of the perfectionist of like, um, failing fast, failing forward. Um, can you share a little bit about like how you've been supporting yourself in your own writing practices and like letting yourself kind of get messy with this in order to still be productive? Cause I, I identify with that as well. Of I enjoy being productive and following through and, and creating things, getting things done at the same time, there needed to be a separation of like, I love myself, even though yeah. I'm, I accept myself at this moment, even if I don't get any of that done, but I also want to honor my capabilities and my potential in the day. Absolutely. I, <laughs> so yeah, one of the things that I'm doing right now, because I'm, I'm working on a book and it, there are so many reasons to not write a book. <laughs> you know, there's so many things <laughs> that I could like let get in the way. And so one of the tips that I'm actively practicing right now is to set a minimum number of words that I will write every day. And so for me, that's 250. It's actually a pretty small amount for me, I've learned. I can do that in about four to five minutes. And the reason I can do it in that short of a time is that I allow myself to write poorly. Like I just do it. Um, and it, I'm not putting it out into the world yet. <laughs> like I'm not talking about writing something that's really sloppy or has all kinds of errors and then immediately putting it out there. It's a matter of this is an important step that I'm going to take. It's just, it's just going to move me forward. Let me just get it out. Um, and so the idea of just do it poorly, that's one way that I can give myself permission to not be perfect. And if I could, I won't, cause I, I don't think I can, but if I could like flip my computer screen around, you can see that I have this canvas right above my desk that I see every day. And it says, it's better to do something imperfectly than to do nothing flawlessly. Mm. Right. And so that it's not the shortest of mantras, but it's a mantra that has been helpful to me to just, to just do it. Um, and I use this too in, in meetings, I'll, I'll say, um, I don't even know if I like this idea yet, but what if we did this thing? And, you know, it's like, no, that might be a terrible idea. <laughs> and one of the things I've learned is I am not my ideas. Mm -hmm. I am not one piece of work that I create. 
I am, you know, I am something beyond that. So I don't have to overly identify with any one thing that I do or did, you know, that is that perfectionist mindset that really gets in our way. And if I go, oh yeah, you know what? Sometimes my ideas suck. And it like circle back to failure. I think it was um, Seth Godin. Um, I just saw this quote like yesterday, or maybe it was this morning that um, if I fail more times than you, then I win. Because the more I fail, that means the more things I'm trying and the more things I'm trying, the more things I'm learning and just the more that I'm doing. You know, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Try stuff. It's sometimes it's incredibly scary, but I I saw a quote too from, I think he was a CEO of LinkedIn. Um, And he said, if you are not embarrassed by your first iteration of something, then you waited too long to get started. (laughs) <laughs> I love that so much. Oh and my gosh. Like, oh, I'm like, okay. I was like, first, first I was like, oh, that's really uncomfortable <laughs> like, to put something out there and, and consciously think like, I'll feel embarrassed by this later or even now. Um, yeah, that was really, really uncomfortable for me. And I was like, holy moly, these perfectionist tendencies are strong, but I, I will say, you know, if this is resonating with anybody that's listening, like it is absolutely something that you can shift. I have come such a long way in like allowing myself to be messy, allowing myself to do something poorly, allowing myself to do something and fail. And just, you know, it's not, my failure is, it does not define me. Or if it does define me, it's not in a bad way. It's like, look at all that stuff she tried, you know, it's, <laughs> and, and it still sneaks up on me sometimes. I definitely still feel it, but it all comes back to that practice of self-acceptance, right? So I am never going to get to a point where I have run out of things that I want to improve upon. Like that's not, I'm not going to be like, you know what? I think I'm done. Like that's not going to happen. I'm perfect. I made it. I have arrived. Right. And so (laughs) like for me, that was so helpful because I'm like, okay, well, so let me think this through. If I am never going to get to a place where I'm done developing, that means that I'm always, always going to have something that I want to do better, something I want to improve upon, something I want to learn, some way in which I want to grow, always. So do I want to use the fact that there's something I want to improve upon as a reason to not accept myself? Because what that would mean is I would never accept myself. That would mean that I'm never good enough. Really? No, screw that noise. No, no, no. Okay. Like for me, this was honestly my thought process. And I was like, okay, all right, I'm getting this now. I could live my entire life, never accepting myself, never allowing myself to feel like I was enough, or I can live my entire life knowing that I'm enough and trust that I'm still going to be motivated to learn and grow and get better. Mm, That's so powerful. I got goosebumps. Because yeah, like, because that comes down to the core belief of everything yeah of everything is like everything yes and and that acceptance it gets so meta you know like for people right now who are struggling um and I've definitely had struggles I think acceptance of myself in any given moment is really valuable like you know a couple weeks ago when this was all pretty new and I think I was feeling the most like like what is happening you know and uh, are we going to survive this and what's going to happen? Just a general feeling of uncertainty and um, definitely having some frenzied thoughts and just trying to make sense and trying to pick a direction, you know, like, what do I do right now? And 
I think it was really exhausting me. And then I'd actually, I picked a direction, um, actually, which part of it was, uh, to open insider edge, just like, let's just open this up and let's put out content right now. That's all about how people can cope with this. And I was sharing that in, um, on a group call and I was feeling really good about it. And then somebody on the call, like kind of crapped on it, you know, and in this, you know, she had a good point, which was, you know, there are, there are schools right now that because they're not in session, the children don't, they literally don't have food to eat for lunch. You know, they're like, it was sort of like, there are bigger things that we can be focusing on to help. And it was sort of like, yeah, okay. Yes. <laughs> but you know, and, yeah. but so after that call, like I remember, I just, I started to feel like I kind of just want to crawl like under my blanket and just be in a ball. Like, can I just be a rock right now? And so because I've practiced so much self-acceptance, I actually let myself do that. I just like lay down. This was like the middle of the day. It was one of those days where everybody was canceling everything that was normally on the schedule because everybody's trying to figure things out. So it was very unusual. I had all this open space, but I laid down and I fell asleep for like an hour. And then I woke up and I was still feeling like, mm. <laughs> so I laid down and I fell asleep for another hour. And then I got up and I was like, okay, well, I just took a nap from 11 to one on a Wednesday. That's incredibly weird. But yeah, I think I needed that. I was exhausted. I was even more tired than I knew. And my body was just like, you know what? Sleep right now. And that's okay. Like, I, I want that to be okay. I, there's a lot of pressure sometimes to be like, focus, help, do something, pivot. Can you adapt? And it's like, okay, just breathe. You know what? Some days I'm going to feel like I'm on and everything I'm putting out is gold. And other days I'm just going to feel like a mess and that's okay. So practicing just really accepting whatever emotional state you're in is actually the fastest way to process through it versus trying to fight it or trying to force yourself to do something that you don't feel like doing. Or if you're like, you know what, I really want to do something, then cool, just do it poorly. <laughs> you know, yeah. just write 250 words that kind of suck maybe and you'll edit them later. No big deal. I love that. Two different options. It's yeah. like, what is it that you actually want to be doing? Give yourself permission to do it. And if there's a fear around it, do it poorly. Yeah. I call it messy action. Take messy that. action. It doesn't feel messy to anyone else, anyone else except us. Right. Right. We're so much more critical of ourselves than other people are. Yeah. And the other beautiful thing about practicing self-acceptance is when I am gentle with myself, that's what creates for me an actual capacity to be genuinely gentle with other people. Mm, yeah. It's like, Hey, I have hard days. I struggle sometimes. I know you have hard days and you struggle sometimes. People, um, sometimes question the idea that you cannot be kinder to others than you are to yourself. But I believe it is 100% true. We might fake kind to other people while we're beating ourselves up in the background. Um, but the reality is my motivation, if I'm sort of, if I'm being kind to you and being really mean to myself, I'm being kind to you because I want you to like me. I'm not being kind to you because I actually am kind. And mm -hmm. so there's, this is hard for a lot of people because there's a lot of people who are very, very sweet. But well, they it's bringing up the people pleasing. Yes, the yes people exactly. Pleasing. It's people pleasing for sure. And so the reality is that there, and they may not be fully conscious of it, but there is judgment of that other person because they judge themselves. So if anybody thinks that self-acceptance sounds selfish, right? Or self-serving or self-focused. It is for the greater purpose of being able to serve others. 
because actually once I um, really get into a solid practice of self-acceptance, then I'm good. Then I'm not worried about me. Um, I, I got this quote from Ashley Hahn. Um, I think she said, you know, when in doubt, focus out. Oh my gosh. That's like one of my sayings. I have Is that, that one of yours everywhere. Too? And I oh, always, beautiful. yeah, I infuse that into so much of my coaching because it's like, when in doubt, focus out. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like focus on what's outside of our immediate attention. And I really like, I, I want to circle kind of back to what you're saying with our ability to be kind to other people genuinely, you know, mm-hmm. being dependent on our ability to fully see and be kind to ourselves. Um, I think it's so powerful to put it in that perspective of like, okay, you're actually being kind. So people will like you, you know, and that it's, it's hard to hear. Cause I totally could relate with being, I, I call it like a recovering people pleaser in a way mm-hmm. of like noticing that I was doing things disingenuously because I wanted to be accepted, loved, liked, like still kind of right. reaching for that acceptance because I wasn't self-creating it. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's all so linked. I love what you're saying. So true. Yeah. Well, that's so valuable. Um, you know, for us, for everyone listening, um, what has been best supporting you right now in staying focused and coming back to your center, you know, in coping with all of the things that are happening in our world, you know, how are you able to stay, stay centered? Definitely practicing the emotional acceptance allowing myself to feel what I feel. Um, and part of that too means allowing myself to be vulnerable with other people. You know, one of the gifts of being vulnerable is that it communicates to other people that, Hey, I could really benefit from support right now. You know, when I'm truly vulnerable, I actually, in some cases receive an outpouring of support and it's just, you know, it's heartwarming and that feels really, really good. And it's okay for all of us to want that. Um, and maybe even need that sometimes. Um, so I definitely lean on, um, my partner. I lean on my friends. I lean on my family. Um, I have been doing a meditation practice for quite some time. I call it a sitting practice. So it's different than what some people do, but it's just 10 or 15 minutes every morning where I just sit. I just sit. And my only rule is I can't do anything. And I used to feel really weird. I started out doing like five minutes at a time and then I increase it to 10. And sometimes I stay 10, sometimes I do 15. And it's become one of my favorite parts of my day because I, it's so easy for me to get into a pattern of like, go, 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 do, do, do. And I have daily practiced just sitting. And so it just teaches me that it's okay to be slow. Um, I actually do allow myself to think. It's not like the meditation where I'm trying to clear my mind. I let my mind do whatever it wants to do. And so it's just this freedom and like allowing. And I think that has been a very like calming and centering practice for me that anybody can pick up at any point. I'm a big journaler as well. So there's different ways uh, that I journal. One is just pretty free flowing, um, especially if I'm feeling a lot of emotion. Journaling is one of the ways that I let myself process through it. Um, I allow myself to just acknowledge and label it. Um, If you like advice that rhymes, name it to tame it. Name it to tame it. That's so Name cute. Name it to tame it. So I can, you know, I identify and label whatever emotion it is that I'm feeling in that moment. And it tends to reduce the intensity of it. It goes, oh, okay. Partly because it's like, oh, yeah, I felt this before. I know this feeling. And that really speaks to the resilience, right? So one thing that I, I would encourage people to do is think about, you know, three to five different 
um, events in your life that you have gone through and coped with, and you know you've coped with it because you're still here, um, three to five things that you've gone through and coped with, and what was it about those situations? Because three to five things that you've been through, you're going to probably pull on all the things that are happening for us now. You know, times of uncertainty, times where change was thrust upon us, uh, you know, times where we had fears about our health, times where we had, you know, fear or concern about our, our family members, times when we were concerned about the economy, like whatever it is, or, you know, just money in general, you've probably been through this before. And that is the essence of resilience. And most of us, especially the, you know, high achiever types, you know, especially entrepreneurs, right? We're so focused on the mountain ahead. And if you ever, you've been hiking, I assume, right? You're out in California. You've got beautiful mountains out there, right? Yeah. So, you know, I've definitely had the experience over and over again where I'll be on a hike, not here in Florida where it's really flat, but I'll be on a hike and it feels like, oh man, like there's still so much more of this mountain. But if I ever literally stop and turn around and look behind me, I'm like, whoa, look how far I've come. I have that feeling. Have you had that feeling? Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Funny, like it actually happened recently where I was like getting over and you know, I think we're very similar. We like to make metaphors for everything. It's just yes. a visual learner. And I was looking at the mountain. I'm like, oh my God, this mountain's freaking huge. How am I going to, and I was like, Kelsey, this is a reflection of everything in your life right now. And so I was like, focus on the trail, not the mountain, focus on the trail, not the mountain. <laughs> but I like that one too, of being able to turn around and be like, holy shit, we started over there. Yeah. <laughs> And it's so for so many of us, it's true about everything in our lives, you know? So like I had a moment, uh, I think it was a year ago this month, actually, where, um, okay, so when I first started as an entrepreneur, um, and I took two different leaps out of the day job into like, I'm doing this full time. And I was trying to work myself up um, to have enough courage to do it the second time. First time was when I left NASA. Second time was when I left Disney. And I was having lunch with a woman who does a lot of guidance for entrepreneurs, especially who are in that very, very early phase like I was. And I remember she was talking me through it and helping me think about the numbers and the math and what would I want to earn in order to pay myself and the woman who at the time I thought would I, I would hire her as my employee. I have not been able to get her away from NASA yet, but maybe one day. And um, I remember the number and it was like, I'm supposed to try to make that much in a year. What? Like it was just, she was like, yeah, you could do that. And I just felt like, Oh my God, I just, I, I, I just felt like I have no idea how I could ever do that. And so that was in 2015 and four years after that, which was one year ago, I got one contract for that amount. Right. And I just stuck in my head as this like, wow, that amount of money sounded like something that I, I couldn't even fathom earning from a number of businesses in a whole year. And I just got it in one contract, like, like made my head wow. want to explode. And it was just a really cool, it's just one example, but there we're on this journey and we are so captivated by what we're trying to achieve and what's ahead. And we're so quick to dismiss all of the things that we've learned and everything that we have accomplished and everything that we have coped with that to actually pause and let yourself think through what have I been through before? Because you have developed skills, you have developed that resilience, you have developed courage, you have learned so many things that you can use right now. And sometimes it's just remembering the things that we've already learned, instead of being like, I have never faced this before. It's like, okay, maybe not this, 
but you know what? That's true every day. Every day is a day that you've never seen before. <laughs> I actually have that. It's a canvas that I have in my bedroom. It's a Maya Angelou quote. It says this, a beautiful day. I've never seen this one before. Or maybe it's a wonderful day. I was like, yeah, every day is a day you haven't seen before. So it's just, sometimes it feels like it's just framing and maybe it is, but I think it's actually just about uncovering what each one of us already has inside. Like we really can do this. And especially if we lean on each other and we're willing to ask for help and we're willing to be like, you know what? (sighs) I don't know, but I can figure this out. Figuring stuff out. This is something that I said in my TED talk because, you know, changing my environment every single month, I felt incompetent daily. Like I didn't even know how to turn the stove on sometimes. I'm like, I just want to make eggs, you know, and I couldn't (laughs) figure out my life. And so one of the takeaways for me was, you know, competence is not about what you know. Truly being competent is about the ability to learn and grow and adapt. And when I think about it that way, I'm like, oh yeah, well, I've certainly done that a lot. And I think that's true for each one of us. It's just a matter of reminding ourselves that that's true. Oh, I love that redefinition, like that new definition of way of looking at it. That's so wonderful. It's been powerful for me. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, thank you so much for joining us on Joyfully You podcast. Absolutely. This is really fun for me. Good. This has been really fun for me too. And I know that people listening are going to get so much value and benefit from this. There's a lot of perfectionistic women that listen to this, that, Mm -hmm. that, that have big dreams and big goals and, you know, your guidance on the journey that you have been on up until this point is really valuable. So thank you for taking the time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yes. So is there any last words or anything you'd like to share with people um, as like a departing message or anything before we end the show? Oh man, makes me want to say something like really profound. I would just say, I think self-acceptance genuinely is the key to making everything in your life easier. So, you know, just take, just take even one step a day towards being nice to yourself, practice being your own best friend, Talk to yourself the way that you would somebody you really, really care about that you know is struggling. You know, use that compassion that you have inside you and just apply it to yourself. Mm, That's so good. Yes. Oh, that's so good. Thank you so much, Laura, for joining us. You guys, you could be able to check out Laura's information for her social media and also joining the Insider's Circle. Am I saying that correctly? Uh, Insider Edge. Sorry, the Insider Edge. So Insider Edge is available. It is a membership site. You're getting weekly content to support you through all of this and it is free. It's available right now. And so I'll make sure that people can access that below. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Joyfully You Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Lowe. Laura, thank you so much. Bye.